Washington, D.C. federal judge Tanya Chutkin imposed a gag order on Donald Trump, prohibiting him from threatening special counsel Jack Smith and Jack Smith's team of lawyers and investigators, the court, the court staff, witnesses, and the family members of these individuals. This was granted over Donald Trump's objections. Donald Trump responded to the gag order by lying about its terms in two very bizarre speeches he gave in Iowa. Slurry, sweaty, and scared, Donald Trump mumbled through these disjointed speeches with barely comprehensible phrases and started talking about the flies in the sky and something about Christmas, and it got <laughs> worse from there. We'll break it down from slurry, sweaty, and scared to completely spineless. Republicans in the House of Representatives appear ready to bend the knee and kiss the ring of sex abuse and insurrection enabler MAGA Republican Jim Jordan, who inches closer to becoming the Speaker of the House of Representatives, two heartbeats away from the Oval Office. This follows Fox host Sean Hannity whipping votes for Jim Jordan over the past 72 hours by sending emails threatening to go after so-called moderate Republicans who don't support Jim Jordan. And that seems to have worked. Speaker Jim Jordan, can you imagine that? Someone who covered up sex abuse, someone who supported the insurrection, someone who's never introduced a piece of legislation and has spent an entire career as a legislation arsonist, seems poised to be selected as the leader of the Republicans in Congress and thus the entire House of Representatives. Meanwhile, it's week three of the New York Attorney General civil fraud case against Donald Trump. We previously heard from Trump insiders like Jeff McConney, the former controller of the Trump Organization, Alan Weisselberg, the former CFO of the Trump Organization. And today we heard testimony from the operations vice president, Patrick Bernie which wrapped up with Bernie confirming that Donald Trump wanted to and did inflate his net worth in statements of financial conditions by adding so-called brand value premiums to the financial statement and then specifically disclaiming in the statement of financial conditions that no brand value was added. Folks, that's just textbook fraud. Finally, President Biden raised $71.2 million at quarter three for his re-election campaign and the Democratic Party, a staggering $26 million more than Donald Trump. And it's nearly the same if you combine Trump and DeSantis and Nikki Haley and others. Biden's campaign now has 91 million dollars in the bank for his 2024 effort. So while legacy media tries to act like the campaign is struggling, 
I don't know, Brett and Jordy, I'm looking at Donald Trump struggling to speak. And I'm not even saying this to try to be like trolling him or anything. Objectively, the behavior, not only dangerous rhetoric and very weird, but also from just watching it, there should be red flags being mm-hmm. raised. And I know legacy media wants to talk about President Biden wearing sneakers versus shoes. And is he going to wear this color suit or that? But like it's staring us in the staring us in the face Woof, with Donald Trump here. It's really been incredibly disturbing. First off, hey, brothers, hey, Midas Mighty, great to be here after another crazy week, another crazy start to this week. There is so much going on. Excited to get into it all. Um, Yeah, I I mean, it's been honestly very disturbing to watch Trump, especially over these past few months, few weeks. You see kind of the rapid deterioration of his cognitive state. And Ben, I got to say, when at the beginning of the show, when you gave the intro and you said that the House of Representatives the Republicans in the House appear ready to bend the knee and kiss the ring of sex abuse and insurrection enabler. I the, the the name that could have followed that up could have been literally any Republican. I was like, oh, who's it, who's <laughs> it going to be? Who's it going to be? Oh, Jim Jordan. Oh, yeah, I guess he's mm-hmm. one of all of them who covers up for sexual abusers and for insurrectionists if they are not just insurrectionists themselves. But that is the modern day Republican Party, unfortunately. And we are seeing it now as Jim Jordan. And like you said, we're going to get into this Hannity situation. So bizarre. bizarre. I mean, you have a host of a so-called news network whipping votes for a major political party using twisted, bizarre extortion schemes. We'll get into that. Mm. Don't you worry. But the whole thing is just so weird. And it shows you as those so-called moderates, the people that are in the Republican Party who like to consider themselves, I know it's a, a become a dirty word in the Republican Party, but the people who like to consider themselves the normal ones now going, <laughs> you know what, maybe I'll support this Jim Jordan guy because I don't know, he offered me some money for my district or, you know, I just give up. You know, these people are crazy. I just give up. It shows you who these people really are and what their principles or rather lack thereof really are. And we learn more and more about the depths of their depravity each and every day. Jordy, what's up, man? Hey, I'm excited to get into it tonight. I think we could just jump right in, but I just can't let, I, I love that sweater you're wearing, Brett. That's a, what do you like? You look, you look very, uh, you look very suave tonight. You know what it is. So what? I realized on one of the last shows, I wore a black shirt, and you could see the background behind me. For and those you were watching just a head. black. And I was. I realized watching it back that I looked like a floating head, and so I had a dark shirt on today. And this is literally my thought process before the show. I said I better get a light cardigan or a light jacket to make sure that I don't just look like a floating head on the screen for all the folks watching. So that right. that that's 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 my weirdness. Uh, just so for that's how I think. I'll say I mean, that. you, you got to save that some of that for the after show when we go to there at <laughs> patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But like in functioning modern democracies across the world, even though they're under threat and attack, all the time you have right-wing parties, left-wing parties, centrist parties form coalitions to try to accomplish things and get things done, right? And in the United States of America, 
I mean, we saw the Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, over the weekend saying, let's cut a deal. People who are moderate, people who are centrist, people who want to focus on actually doing things for the American people, the Democrats are ready to do that. Republicans, if you're open to it, let's figure out a way to come together, right? And what was the response by the Republicans? It was the same thing that Kevin McCarthy did. It's to mock the Democrats. It's to see who could own the libs more. The entire incentive structure of the Republican Party is not to govern. It's to own the libs and to act mean and nasty. And whoever can be the most outrageous gets to go on Hannity, and more on that in a bit, gets to go on Fox and gets to have their ego temporarily stroked, that they're big and powerful, but at the end of the day, they don't have power at all. And it's just a very, it's a very strange and unfortunate situation to observe. And again, it's not a both sides issue. Democrats mm. are actually saying, let's focus on jobs. Let's focus on healthcare. Let's focus on education. Let's focus on veterans. Let's focus on seniors. It's, it's not hyperbole. Just listen to what they're saying. And then MAGA Republicans are saying, these Marxist communists. It's like, okay, well, now I, now I can't have an intelligent conversation <laughs> with you. Now I can't speak to you like a normal human being mm -hmm. when you have Marjorie Taylor Greens and Donald Trump saying, we're going to deport the Marxist fascist mind. Okay, that, that's, that's not serious discourse. And then you have Fox outright injecting the disinformation every day, boom, in the veins, boom, in the veins, like a propaganda network from any authoritarian state. And then you have our legacy media act with the same spinelessness as the so-called moderate Republicans. And they like do the work for them. And I'm like, are, are you watching what is taking place? Are you watching what's going on? Yeah, and the incentive structure, I think, really nails it. And I think there are a couple things at play there. You know, first off, there's sort of like a mission creep with it. I don't know if that's the right phrase to use with it, but I'm going to run with it. Um, but in that, every time the Republicans say, these people are radical, communists, this, that, every time they do that, they are putting that in the minds of their voters who, frankly, th these are people who are, uh, many of them are easily manipulated by these propaganda networks and by these politicians. And then when it comes to a point where, okay, we need to do something now where we actually need to reach across the aisle for the betterment of the United States of America, even something that's going to benefit those very people, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you're going to work with the radical Marxist, communist, fascist? You can't do that. And so they box themselves in to having to double down and triple down and quadruple down on the extremism. So you got that at play. You have the networks, like you said, like Fox, and you have this entire right-wing media ecosystem, which praises people for cruelty. It praises the Republican Party for, like Ben said, for owning the libs, for being as vile as possible, and then they uplift you. Then you get in the headlines. Then you get on the Hannity show. Then you get on primetime Fox or Newsmax or whatever. 
Then you also have the money element, the grift. And so it's these three things together. The grift is incredibly powerful as well because the Republicans get financially rewarded for bad behavior. And we'll go through it in this episode too. Donald Trump gets a partial gag order. The first thing he does is beg for money based on the gag order. That's what he does. That's what the incentive structure told him to do. If this happened to a Democrat, you wouldn't see them asking for money right away. And if they did, they would be laughed at and destroyed because the Democratic base likes to hear stuff like, oh, you passed the PACT Act. You helped the veterans. That's awesome. That's great. The Chips and Science Act, I love it. You know, it's it, that's what that's what excites the Democratic base. You know, you're helping get equal rights, things that should matter to all people, not this hatred. And so when you bring all those together, it continues to push this Republican Party further and further and further to the right to the point where they are at now, which is the point of no return. And it is embodied 100 percent by their cult leader, Donald Trump. And Brett, you said it perfectly right there. And it goes back to a central theme that we always hit on on the show is that these Republicans, these congressional Republicans, they don't want to lead. They want to make money. They want to do podcasts. They're failed influencers that are grifting off their constituents as a way to kind of stay out of jail for all their crimes that they've committed. It, it's, <laughs> it's a really scary and sad thought that the, these elected officials in our country don't care about the American people. They don't care about their constituents. They just want to find ways to line their pockets with money. So the incentive structure for Republicans, as we are discussing, is to own the libs, the nastier, the meaner, the more depraved, the more degradation, right? The more likely you are to get on a right-wing television show. On the other side, the incentive structure for Democrats is you have to hit the mark directly in the bullseye, right? You have to be 10 out of 10 on your policies. If you promise that you're going to help, let's just say on an issue like student loans, and it's because MAGA Republicans block it or the courts prevent you from doing a policy you said you're going to do, you will get a ton of crap from people who vote for you. And they'll be like, you you promised us and you screwed us over, despite the fact that Democrats are always trying to accomplish the policies. MAGA Republicans are always trying to block the policies. And if you're not a perfect hit in the perfect score, if President Biden isn't doing everything A+, plus, he's treated like an F. When Donald Trump is acting like an F minus, if he manages to put together some coherent thought, which he almost never does, he's treated like he gets an A. Oh my God, look, he's acting quite presidential today. And it's like, no, that's not the case. We're here to break that. That's one of the missions of Midas Touch Network is that, as I say, like, regardless of what political party you're from, regardless, like, what we care most about here is normalcy, intelligence, compassion, being unapologetically pro-democracy, and following the evidence and the data. So let's take a look at evidence and data, right? Let's test our hypothesis right now. Let's go to Iowa. Because in Iowa, in two separate speeches, Donald Trump was ready to rail against federal judge Tanya Chutkin, the judge in Washington, D.C., who had just issued a gag order. And Donald Trump in Iowa, though, 
No, he's like reading the teleprompter, but he can't deviate from it anymore. You know, we, we showed clips over the weekend and one of the viral clips that we found of Donald Trump where he talked about Republicans love to eat their young. They love to eat their young. It's true. They love to eat. It, it's a horrible thing to do, but they eat their young. No. And he said it over and over again. And then they posted it. Like, could you imagine if President Biden posted a video of himself, you know, in the President Biden elder statesman kind of way, was like, you know, the issue is Democrats eat their young. They eat them. They eat <laughs> their young. It would be front page New York Times, Washington Post. He must, he, he can't, it would absolutely, right. that was just one of the things that Donald Trump did this weekend. He also posted a video of himself where he started talking about Forbes magazine. It was Forbes magazine. They're involved in election interference with China. They're controlled Forbes by magazine. China. And Forbes magazine entered into a cabal with New York Attorney General Letitia Peekaboo James to go after me. And he, he did a video of himself saying those things. And it's like you're you're watching actually a madman. And I know if you're watching this at home, you feel gaslit the way we do that no one else is like, that is insane. That be like we need to just say it like it is. So so this is what happened in Iowa. Earlier in the day, first, let me show you a short compilation of Donald Trump sweaty, slurring his words, and just spending the time talking about who knows what. Play this clip. Starved Thomas, and we took Hamas and Hezbollah and all of the rest. That we've never, I don't think we've ever seen where they kill babies. Just like I said years ago, we're going to turn Christmas around. Remember the department stores weren't, re they refused to use the word Christmas. They'd have red, they'd have everything perfect. I said, where's Christmas? Wonderful people one day. I didn't know you had flies in Iowa. <laughs> I hate flies. I hate flies. And that's Star in hummus. the middle of speaking about Hamas, which he's calling hummus. And he's saying, yeah. hummus, hummus, something about Christmas and, de and flies. And there are flies here. Uh, what, what in the world is going what in the world? What in the world is going on? And, and I'll, 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 let me take it back a little bit. Let me just show you some of the other clips. This is Donald Trump, I guess, bragging that he's going to be uh, one of the only politicians in history that runs for office while having a gag order imposed. And he lies in this too and says that he's not able to criticize anyone. Yes, he is. Special Counsel Jack Smith said right away, and Special Counsel Jack Smith's team said right away, criticize President Biden all you want. President Biden's not a party. Just stop threatening the judge, which is resulting in actual death threats, okay? Stop threatening the Special Counsel and calling Special Counsel Jack Smith a thug because that's resulting in death threats. That would take place in any normal case. It has nothing to do with the campaign, nothing to – he could criticize Biden all he wants. Jack Smith's team said as such, but here's Donald Trump lying and whining. Play this clip. Today, a judge put on a gag order. I'll be the only politician in history that runs with a gag order where I'm not allowed to criticize people. Can you imagine this? Do you believe this? I'm not allowed to criticize people, so we'll see. We'll appeal it, and we'll see, but it's it's – 
so un- so unconstitutional. Look, I'm the only guy that ever got indicted. I got indicted more than Alphonse Capone. Did anyone ever hear of Alphonse? <laughs> Al Capone, if you looked him, if you looked at him the wrong way, he was seriously tough, right? But uh, no, they put a gag on her on me, and I'm not supposed to be talking about things that bad people do. And so uh, we'll be appealing very quickly. But, you know, people understand it. And normally, if you get indicted, if you're a politician, I've watched it for years, they get indicted and they walk to a microphone about four minutes later. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be leaving office to fight for my reputation and spend time with my family. I love my family so much. You know, that they're out. They're gone. With me, I have a big platform so I can explain things. A judge uh, gave a gag order today. Did you hear that on speech? Which I believe is totally unconstitutional what she did. A judge gave a gag order. A judge doesn't like me too much. Her whole life is not liking me. But uh, she gave a gag order. You know what a gag order is? You can't speak badly about your opponent. But this is weaponry all being done because Joe Biden is losing the election and losing very, very badly to all of us. That's weaponry being done by bad people. It has nothing to do with not allowing you to criticize President Biden. You could absolutely criticize President Biden. Just don't threaten people. Just don't threaten people. Don't threaten witnesses. Don't threaten to execute them and kill them. Like that's what the gag order is about. You know, during the gag order hearing, Judge Tanya Chutkin would give Donald Trump's lawyers like hypotheticals. And she would say to them like, so if Donald Trump threatened to execute, say, Chris Christie, you're okay with that or not okay with that? And they wouldn't even be able to say we're not okay with that. They they go, well, I would uh, I would advise against doing that, Your Honor. Like you you can't even say that that is a criminal threat. And then here is as during these speeches, in addition to you know, show I showed you what happened in the short compilation at the outset. I showed you Donald Trump whining about the gag order. Here is Donald Trump mocking and attacking our military leaders in the United States. Play this clip. And one of them said to me, Millie, he said, sir, it'll be cheaper if we left everything. I said, where does this guy come Where does he come from? A brand new airplane cost $128 million, right? I said, you mean you think it's cheaper to leave it than to fill it up with a little, a little fuel Let's, and fly it the hell out? To, even if you just fly it to Pakistan, then you bring it back home or you fly it back home. Most of them can make that journey, right? Oh, it's better to leave it there. I don't want to tell you what I had to go through with these people. Some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life. But we have... You know, and that's dangerous and threatening on so many different levels. I mean, mocking our four-star generals is obviously horrific, but doesn't that also remind you of how his malignant narcissism infected all aspects of expertise and the attack on people like Dr. Fauci? We go, Dr. Fauci's an idiot. What you should be doing is injecting yourself with bleach in your veins. It's like, we no, we, we have experts. What, what makes him extra dangerous is that it's not only that he says these despicable and disgusting things. In his malignant narcissistic mind, when he says, I alone can fix it, he actually believes that. So anybody who's an expert gets kicked aside when you need expertise 
and he's notoriously the biggest loser, idiot, moron his entire life. And you have an entire MAGA Republican party that's afraid of their own shadows, as we've seen over the past 72 hours. Hannity knows how you could play these weak morons. All you do is you you, you send an email to them and say, we're going to talk about you on Fox. And boom, no principles, no morals, so that they don't call this guy out as he tries to take over all aspects of your life. I mean, th- that's the thing. The thing with these MAGA Republicans, it's like, look, if if you want to behave this way, I, I would not recommend it at all. In the privacy of your own house, or or if or if you want to create your own private company, that you as long as you're not treating employees like crap in your but if, if you want to be this way, a company of one, be this way, but you want to take positions of power where you unqualified dangerous folk are trying to control my freedom, the freedom of, of, of women, the freedom of LGBTQ plus the freedom of all Americans. You're trying to you're, you control what we can do, what we can say. You're so unqualified. The person talking about there are flies here. There's a, there's a fly in the sky. That's the person who's trying to control your life. We all know what flies are attracted to, uh, Ben and Jordy. Um, I don't think it needs to be said. But here's the thing. That clip and all the clips that you showed, they showcase this that perverse incentive structure that we spoke out about in the beginning of this episode. When Donald Trump attacked our military officials in that clip, the normal response for an audience would have been to boo him, to be outraged, to walk out. But what did that audience do? They laughed like it was a funny joke. And then after that clip ends, they gave him a huge applause for that line, for attacking U.S. military officials, U.S. generals. I mean, think about that. Think about a few years ago before Donald Trump. Think about a presidential candidate or a former president attacking the U.S. military and getting a standing ovation. after Kerry. They swift boat that party. Swift boated a decorated veteran in John Kerry, Brett, because they were saying that he wasn't heroic enough. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a lot of damage because of it. But that's why when we speak about these Republican values, so to speak, when they talk about themselves being a strict contextualist or they believe in freedom, you know, all the BS that they throw out there, you have to remember that they're only using these phrases. They are only using the iconography of America. They are using all of this to push forward whatever they actually want to push forward. Once those tools in their toolbox no longer work, then they just got to be straight up fascist with it, right? And so they've decided democracy, you know what? Not working out for us anymore. The demographics in this country, most people aren't voting for us these days in the popular vote. 
So we got to take the power away from the people a little bit, okay? That's that's what we have to do right now. And this whole movement is about that. And they wrap it up, they dress it up in the American flag when it's the most unpatriotic right. movement on the planet. There's another clip that we're going to play soon. We haven't played the jail clip yet, right? Where Donald Trump says that uh, he's going to go to jail to save democracy. But let's play it though, because I also want you to hear how he frames it. First off, I'm I'm cool with this idea of Donald Trump <laughs> going to jail to, to save democracy is what he said. Yes, Jordy. Before you play that, I just actually want to speak to the flies theme and motif that we continue to see yes. in the MAGA party, because I actually think it's quite poetic and we should speak to it, right? Flies in literature often symbolize death and despair. So flies in, in this case with MAGA, where have they popped up that of note? Trump speeches, we see flies. Mike Pence's Mike forehead. Pence, Mike Pence's forehead during a debate. It's it's very symbolic of what the MAGA Republican Party is trying to do, which is really cause the death of our democracy. It's biblical, Jordy. I think that's Thank what you're you. trying to say. Pretty it's, deep, it's, right? It's deep. That's deep. That's Pretty deep, deep thought into the flies that we've seen pop up on screen. Some deep right, stuff. Let's play this clip though of Donald Trump <laughs> saying that he wants to go, willing to go to jail, if that's what it takes to save democracy. Play the clip. But what they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. And so, okay, uh, fine, fine by me. I'm going to say, great. I think there are a couple things here also. I think he is starting to realize the inevitable. That he's going to go to jail or he's going to go to prison. So he has to start priming his base for that moment and turn himself into a martyr. One. Two, though, he listened to how he framed it. He said to bring democracy back as if he is not the one actively trying to subvert and destroy democracy. So you see in all these instances now, Donald Trump trying to launder his autocracy through under the guise of democracy. He's trying to muddy the waters of what's going to be President Biden's most powerful argument going into this election, which is vote for me to save democracy from this authoritarian madman. Trump is trying to say, vote for me to save democracy, my kind of democracy. And that's why he's doing that. Worthless, dangerous word salad is what it is. You know, and every time I talk about democracy and the importance of democracy, because Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans would always attack democracy, I'd always have the MAGA trolls, no matter what, go, we're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic. <laughs> yep. Like, I, 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 that's, that's always like their comeback when I'm like, in a functioning democracy, here are the things that, <laughs> that need to happen. But you're right. Like, with Donald Trump's worthless, dangerous word salad, one of the things that his advisors tell him is where he's vulnerable, right? Like workers know he's a fraud. So he goes and he sets up a fake stage, right, in a non-union shop and pretends he's speaking in front of union workers. And he goes, look, I was there to save the – it's all a performative stunt. I was there to save the union workers. I went there and I tried to save them. He knows he's vulnerable on democracy. We've been talking about that over and over again. 2024 is about saving our democracy from the threat of him. So now what's he going to do? Because, you know, as, as I did a video on this over the weekend. Like I grew up and our parents taught us like you got to be a man of your word, Ben. That's what I was always told, right? Like your word is everything. 
And that's when Donald Trump tells the big lie. I know all of you out there feel that way as well. So it's hard for us to kind of cognitively process somebody whose word is meaningless, somebody who goes around just spewing, as I call it, dangerous, worthless word salad to whatever benefits someone. And and it's hard to comprehend. And the bigger the lie that's spewed out, it's hard for people, decent people like you who care about word and honesty and integrity to process, well, doesn't the truth usually lie someplace in the middle? And maybe they're saying this and this person saying that. So, so I'm trying to find the truth and we're trying to process it. And no, no, they're just lying all the time. Big, massive lies all the time over it. And that's what we're going to increasingly see. They're going to hit the themes of democracy, hit the themes of workers. They're going to do all the performative stunts. And so it is critical that the pro-democracy community recognize that one of the things we'll talk about a little later in the show is how Biden's digital team is like on top of it. Like the Biden campaign's digital team gets it. The rapid response is kind of pitch perfect right now. They just went on Truth Social and they're bringing the news on Truth Social, which is great. We'll talk about that a little more. But we just have to be aware that that is how fascism weaponizes the goodwill of people's use of language and 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 words and we got to we got to just be aware of it now i showed you all of those clips of trump i think it's important that we contrast like let me just show you a clip of president biden over the weekend at a human rights campaign event and watch how intentionally he picks his words Right, he recognizes that a leader has to pick words intentionally, forcefully, with meaning and precision. Play this clip of President Biden from this weekend. Folks, we have to reject hate in every form because history has taught us again and again anti Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. Hate toward one group left unanswered opens the door for more hate toward more groups more often readily. But here's what we just showed. The antidote to hate is love. The answer to twisted dehumanizing knowledge is solidarity and standing there for everyone in humanity. That's why the laws that actually protect equality matter every single American, no matter who you are, who you love, or where you come from. This shouldn't be about conservative, liberal, red, or blue. Should be about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence. Sounds corny, but a promise rooted in the sacred and the secular that all people are created equal, endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> Folks, it may sound corny, but we've never fully lived up to that promise, but we've never walked away from it like many want us to do. And we're not going to walk away for it on my watch, I promise you. And all of you here tonight, and all the advocates and allies across the country, I see the light that's going to triumph over the darkness. I see the hope that's going to conquer fear. I see the love that's going to overcome hate in all its forms. I see a great nation because we're basically a good people. We just remember who we are, and we're not the victim. And although we're good folks, we got to stand up and holler. We got to stand up and holler. You cannot be silent. Silence is complicity. Silence is complicity. Folks, 
We're the United States of America. And there's nothing beyond our capacity when we do it together. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So let's stand together and get everyone else on the deal. God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Hope. Love. We are a great nation. Let's stand together. We are the United States of America, and there's nothing we can't accomplish together. These are powerful words, positive words of a future. Unlike what we're seeing in these speeches with Donald Trump, unlike some of these, the dangerous, bizarre rhetoric. I mean, when you contrast it like that, and you see both legacy media trying to tear such a decent and compassionate person down who really embodies the values of an elder statesman. You think about how countries abroad, international democracies value the elder statesman like President Biden, right? But here, the incentive structure by legacy media and all media is like, unless you're like a WWE actor, wannabe, whatever, reality star, something. Is, is it not exciting enough for you? Is, is his vision of a positive, hopeful future media, it, it, does that not excite you enough? Maybe you should do your freaking jobs and cover what we just watched with the accuracy of what we just saw. How about you do your job? We will do our job here and bring the truth to the people. We've got a lot more show here on this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. We are live. Want to remind everybody about our Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We don't have outside investors here at the Midas Touch Network, although I am proud to present this stat. More people watch the Midas Touch Network on YouTube and digital than watch CNN and Fox. And that gives me hope. And we've done that because of you with zero outside investors, zero thanks to you. So if you want to help support the growth of this independent media platform, one way to do that is patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch, spelled M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. We have exclusive after show content. So as soon as this episode ends, we do an after show. We also do a meetup once a month on Zoom where you get to meet me, Brett, and Jordy. We have a a library of exclusive after show content as well. Today's after show with Kevin McCarthy, no longer Speaker of the House. I thought we would do the after show on my experiences in Bakersfield when I was oh, a wow. civil rights litigator Love and that. how I came to produce the documentary with Colin Kaepernick and Hulu called Killing County. And we did it about a, a year ago, maybe a little more at this point. How'd that documentary come about? We wanted to shed light on what was going on in Kevin McCarthy's district, which had the highest police shooting deaths per capita, the highest crime in all of California. The drug rates were through the roof, and that's in Kevin McCarthy's 
<laughs> district in Bakersfield and Kern County. We'll talk about that on the after show again, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. When we come back, I want to talk about President Biden's whopping $72 million uh, fundraising haul. Pretty impressive stuff right there. I want to talk about what went down in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud case as Donald Trump insider spilled the beans and gave some smoking gun testimony. No wonder Donald Trump doesn't want to be there this week. We'll go after it. We'll go over that and much more. We'll be right back after this quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Fume. Cold turkey, it may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Now, not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. Now, it's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up, and I feel pretty darn cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code MIDAS to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code MIDAS to save an additional 10% off your order today. When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. Somebody isn't showing up when they're supposed to, talk to Bambi. An employee reports a serious issue like harassment and you're not sure if you have a documented policy, talk to Bambi. You see, with Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat. So onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's dedicated HR managers, they're a US-based person dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. See, this allows you to be freed up and focus more on what you love. HR managers, they can easily cost 80 grand a year, but Bambi starts at just $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in Midas Touch under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. 
It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, and type in Midas Touch under podcast. Thank you. Welcome back. We are live on the Midas Touch podcast. Ben, Brett, and Jordy, special shout out to all our pro-democracy sponsors who help support the growth of this platform. It's that. It's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And it's emojis, as I say. It's probably not the greatest business model in the world, but uh, we appreciate it. And it's a way to kind of keep outside investors away and keep growing these things. (laughs) So if you're just wondering like how you access those emojis as well on the YouTube, this is different than Patreon. There's that dollar sign at the bottom. You can gift other people the gift of an emoji. You can get yourself the emojis when you become a member of our YouTube. So- We got a number of court hearings going on today. I mentioned one in the context of Donald Trump's speech where he talked about the gag order that was imposed on him. Um, In Washington, D.C., federal court judge Tanya Chutkin held the hearing today. Trump's lawyers were in the House led by John Lauro. Special counsel Jack Smith's team was in the House led by lawyer Molly Gaston for the United States government. And here's what Judge Chutkin said to Donald Trump's lawyer. Listen, Mr. Trump is a criminal defendant. He's facing four felony charges. He is under the supervision of the criminal justice system, and he must comply with the conditions of release. He does not have the right to say and do exactly as he pleases. In other words, he is not above the law, to which John Loro said, but President Biden and the Biden administration are trying to censor Donald Trump. And then Judge Chuckin responded, I understand that you have a message that you want to get out. I understand that that audience is probably somebody other than me. But let me be very clear, Mr. Lauro. I do not want to hear any campaign rhetoric in my courtroom. Do you understand? To which John Lauro said, are you censoring me? Are you censoring me? And Judge Chutkin said, again, leave that to your other audience, not in my courtroom. To which John Lauro responded, but judge, what you have in place, the the existing structure of things, Donald Trump's not doing anything wrong. I think everything is working just fine. To which Judge Chutkin responded, I have to take serious issue with that, Mr. Loro. A brief recess was taken. Wait, you missed the best part. She laughed in his face when he said that. When Loro said, what you have place is working. We don't need anything else. Judge Chuckin literally laughed at him in the courtroom. That's how you know it was going so terribly for Donald Trump's lawyers. Laura was like on one, Trump's attorney. And, and, and there was one moment where Judge Chutkin even had to step in and be like, 
could you tone it down a little? And he's like, I am toned down. I am toned down. He like screamed back at her. He like, he couldn't control himself in the court, but she accurately called it out. He was playing for an audience of one and he kept trying to pivot back to this. Oh, it's the Biden administration who's instructing everyone to do this. Oh, look what the Biden administration's doing. And Judge Chuckin was having none of that. She's like, listen, that's up. You could make that political argument outside this court. But in this court, that's not going to fly. And this is now like the crux of Donald Trump's whole argument. Uh, it's like his whole thing. He's trying to present it as this politically motivated thing. And I just want to back up for one second, show Trump before the hearing. Donald Trump, the night before the hearing, he posts this deranged message. Tomorrow is a big day for democracy. A leaking, crooked, and deranged prosecutor, Jack Smith, with a highly partisan Obama-appointed judge, blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on and on and on and on. The reason I bring it up is because this is the exact type of message that Judge Chuckin ended up barring him from being able to post in the future, <laughs> those exact attacks. So it's interesting that he felt the need, like he had to just get it out, like his last, I need, I need to say deranged Jack Smith one last time. <laughs> I need to but say notice, notice again there, though, his weaponization and perversion of the use of the word democracy, which Good you point. appropriately flagged, because that's the message that they're going to be hitting over and over again. They again realize that actually, despite what all of these legacy media polls are saying, right, what they recognize is that democracy is on the ballot. So what they're trying to figure out is let's just use the terminology democracy, democracy, democracy over and over again. And then let's hope that people use our big lies over that word to weaponize that against the actual people who are fundamentally protecting our democracy. And that's not just unique to President Biden. When I talk about the pro-democracy community, frankly, what I'm referring to is basically everyone other than MAGA, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, ref I'm referring to independents, Democrats, people who aren't affiliated with political parties, progressives, liberals, whoever, actual conservatives, not this MAGA mutation. If you care about our democracy and you want to have like civil democracy. Ad adult <laughs> discussions and debates where I may not get everything that I want and you're not going to get everything that you want, but fundamentally, we are not going to utilize government to attack people's freedoms mm -hmm. and we are not going to tear down our democracy. If you're cool with that, welcome to Team Pro-Democracy right now. And fundamentally, the dichotomy of, oh, Democrats are liberal. Republicans are conservative. That's just that paradigm is not the paradigm. As I've said it over and over again, when you're a MAGA Republican and you are singing songs with insurrectionists, when you send congressional delegations to them and releasing it on Apple Music and you want to overthrow our democracy and destroy our Department of Justice and you attack our military generals, you ain't a conservative. You don't get to use that word conservative. But again, they latch on to language and words, conservative, democracy, patriot, the American flag, the symbols. Why? Because they recognize 
how powerful that is to us. That's how they prey on you. That's how they prey on us. They realize that the flag is something we love, that the constitution is something we love, that our democracy is something we cherish. So when they uh, uh, try to appropriate that language and then use it for a perversion, it creates this kind of confusion and cognitive dissonance that's hard to grapple with, and that is very intentionally done by them. So done by them. So be aware. Then we go from Washington D.C., where a limited gag order was imposed, as I described earlier in this show, preventing Donald Trump from attacking or threatening the judge, the prosecutors, their family, the witnesses, their family. That's you know something a line, that Donald Trump's. I, you know a line that I really about? like? That should be something when- you stipulate to. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's something they're whining about. <laughs> yeah. then, you go to the, then you go to the New York Attorney General civil fraud case. I'm like, let's not forget about what's going down there, right? We keep you up to date of what's going on in all of the cases so that when there's a massive development, it doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? The wheels of justice turn, unfortunately, sometimes very slowly, but they're turning in the right direction. And you have Donald Trump not showing up. He spent two and a half days the first week. We're in week three. And today's testimony came from a Trump organization assistant vice president, Patrick Bernie, who was one of the people involved in preparing all of these statement of financial conditions. He was a, he's considered an executive, but he's really kind of an underling from Weisselberg and Jeff McConney. But he was like the keeper of the spreadsheets. And why is he important? Because the spreadsheets for these statement of financial conditions all have these notations, add 15% premium, add 30% premium. And what Trump would do is add premiums that he would call like the presidential premium or add enhanced you know fake fraudulent value to his properties claiming that it's affiliated with Trump or the fact that he's a president or because he was doing it at that time and that's how and then on the statement of financial conditions they expressly stated that the brand value wasn't included because how they parsed words and language was that they added a brand premium but not brand value Right. So they would add notations 15%, 30% brand premium for presidential whatever, and then say to the banks and say to whatever that that was not added. So that's what was being built today. And then you had the questionings, like, like the, the questions from the New York Attorney General's office, which was like, did Donald Trump want to enhance his net worth by basically fraudulently adding, you know, to his net worth? And, and would you be aware of that? And then Bernie said, and would Weisselberg direct you to do that? And then Patrick Bernie said, yes. And it kind of ended in this kind of Perry Mason moment. And then Donald Trump's lawyers objected. They said, objection. That's hearsay. That's hearsay. Motion to strike. And I mean, Judge Ngoron has a little bit too much patience with them. It said, let's do a briefing on whether that's hearsay or not. It's not hearsay. Hearsay is an out-of-court statement used to prove the truth of the matter asserted. When it is a statement made by somebody in court, like a defendant like Alan Weisselberg, it's not hearsay. 
Alan Weisselberg can be confronted with that. And Alan Weisselberg's response to everything was, I don't recall, I don't recall, I don't recall. All right, Weisselberg, you don't recall? Let me show you your severance agreement, which just so happens to be for the same amount of money as your criminal fraud penalty of $2 million, which basically instructs you not to be cooperative. What do you think about that, Weisselberg? Well, I think that's a coincidence. Oh, that's all a coincidence that it equals the exact dollar amount and now you just magically don't recall everything and your payments aren't made until the end of 2024? Huh. That's very interesting right there. And by the way, Jeff McConney, the Trump Organization controller, already said that Weisselberg told him to commit fraud basically. So let's just stick with the evidence and the facts and what's going on in trial. Oh, and then you have all of the Trumps and their depositions saying, we don't know what generally accepted accounting principles are. I've never looked at the statement of financial conditions. Eric did. Eric, I never looked at the statement of financial conditions. Weisselberg did. I never looked at the statement of financial conditions. That's what's happening in the depositions. I can't wait, can't wait for the Trump kids to be deposed. And they're adult kids, but one of the reasons I say Trump kids <laughs> is, you know, that's how they were referred to by Bernie in the emails. Are the Trump kids aware in contemporaneous emails? They refer to Ivanka, Eric, and Don Jr. as the Trump kids in the internal documentation. So, but they will be testifying soon. Trump's going to be testifying soon. Think about that. When Donald Trump sits there for two days, three days being grilled, we're going to cover that all here on the Midas Touch Network. And by the way, we should get prepared for next week. Everybody remember, that's when the Fulton County District Attorney RICO case, uh, the trial against Ken Chesborough and Sidney Powell starts. And we will cover that live here on the Midas Touch Cameras in the corner on YouTube. Folks. We're going to be streaming that. All right. From chaos and incrimination in court to the spineless GOP in Congress, Brett, they're really, these MAGA Republicans are ready to choose a sex abuse and insurrection enabler who never passed a bill to lead their party. And it went from last week where there were about 55 no votes. Yeah. People who were saying we were never going to vote for Jim Jordan. But things started changing over the weekend. Mm. And the so-called moderate Republicans started changing. What, what, what went down, Brett? Yeah, that's why I think AOC nailed it a few weeks back when she said on TV, there's no such thing as a moderate in this Republican Party. It's just those who have more fealty to Donald Trump and those that have less fealty to Donald mm-hmm. Trump. And I think that really summed it up well. But there was this closed door meeting. You know, they're doing these really strange closed door GOP meetings where they take away your cell, their cell phones because they can't be trusted to be tweeting mean things about each other and they don't want anything to leak. It's like a, it's like a Netflix comedy special up in the hash GOP, but far less funny. Um, And they take away everyone's phones. They had this closed door meeting and Jim Jordan won 124 to 81. His challenger was Representative Austin Scott, a Republican from Georgia, a so-called more moderate member. We don't really have to get into him because he lost. You don't really need to know much more about him. Then they held another vote after, right? So they basically said, okay, we have Jim Jordan now as our speaker designate, right? We have him. Now that we have him, 
how many of you, knowing that he's the guy, when this comes to the actual full floor vote with the Democrats, how many of you will vote for him knowing that he is the option? And on that vote, Jim Jordan won 152 to 55. Now, you may say 152 to 55. He's got votes, right? He's got the, he's got to get to 217 on the floor. So that was quite a bit to make up. So then the pressure campaign began. And where did the pressure campaign originate? Like all things, MAGA and Republican, it originated on social media because they are very scared of getting mean tweets. So you had all the MAGA influencers first telling everybody, drop in the comments of this representative and that representative and tell them you're not going to vote for that. Like most of these people aren't even in their districts, live nowhere near them. We don't even know if they're from the United States of America, but they basically had all these people on social media hound all these representatives who said they were aren't going to vote for Jim Jordan. You have those roughly four, by, by the end of last week, you probably have roughly 40 no votes per an inside source against Jordan. And then you had kind of 20 that were like, we're not even going to let the vote hit the floor. Like we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to block this. Mm-hmm. Then another unnamed GOP source was like, actually, it looks like we may be able to make up the difference by Tuesday. And that pressure campaign continued to ramp up and it went behind the scenes to where Sean Hannity, yes, that Sean Hannity of Fox News was basically sending these like extortion kind of emails to the representatives who are not planning on voting for Jim Jordan to try to whip the votes. And this really agitated a lot of these members who leaked it to the press. And we have the email right here. I'll pull it up. And I want you to think of the subtext of this email while I read it, because it's strong what he's saying. This is from a Hannity producer. Hello, Stephanie from the Hannity Show with Fox News. Sources tell Hannity that Representative X is not supporting Representative Jim Jordan for speaker. Can you please let me know if this is accurate? And if true, Hannity would like to know why during a war breaking out between Israel and Hamas, with the war in Ukraine and with the wide open borders, with a budget that's unfinished, why would Representative Blank be up, uh, be against Representative Jim Jordan for speaker? Please let us know when Representative X plans on opening the People's House so that work can be done. Lastly, are there any conditions Representative X will choose to work with Democrats on the process of electing a new speaker? The deadline for comment is 11 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, 1016. Thank you. And the subtext behind this email, in addition to just trying to put fear in these people, is to say, okay, you're not going to vote for Jim Jordan. We will dedicate our airtime to trashing you and to taking you down. You ever want to come on Fox News and try to highlight an issue for your constituents? Too bad. We're going to drop you. It's a threat. It's a threat from mm-hmm. Hannity. And it is so perverse, bizarre that you have this propaganda, this like state run media for the Republican Party posing as a news organization, threatening members of a major political party into voting for a sex abuse enabler and an insurrectionist. This is what the United States of America, this is what the Republican Party in 2023 has become. I mean, give me a break here. And the reason they threw in that other stuff as well is because there were rumors also that Hakeem Jeffries was trying to get together a compromise because Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats have been very open to, listen, I don't need to be speaker, you know, speaking as Hakeem Jeffries. 
but let's vote for somebody who represents more of the middle of the country and let's figure out a power sharing agreement like the one that Ben was discussing earlier in the show where we could actually bring bills to the floor, marginalize the craziest voices in the party and actually get the work done for the American people. I mean, that should be what we want, right? I'll play this quick clip of Hakeem Jeffries talking about that over the weekend. Well, let's start right there. We heard you talking about a bipartisan solution to resolving this stalemate in the House. Are you actually having conversations behind the scenes with your Republican counterparts about trying to create a bipartisan solution, a governing coalition? There are informal conversations that have been underway when we get back to Washington tomorrow. It's important to begin to formalize those discussions. From the very beginning of this Congress, House Democrats have made clear that we want to continue to put people over politics and to fight for things like lower costs, better paying jobs, safer communities, and to build an economy that works from the middle out and the bottom up. On the other hand, House Republicans have been focused on fighting each other. It's time to end the Republican civil war so we can get back to doing the business of the American people. And we as House Democrats are committed to finding that bipartisan path forward in a meaningful way. Leader Jeffries, this has been going on for 11 days. Why haven't formal conversations started yet? At this point, that is on my House Republican colleagues. We have made clear publicly and privately that we are ready, willing, and able to enter into a bipartisan governing coalition that puts the American people first and solves problems for hardworking American taxpayers. My Republican colleagues have a simple choice. They can either double or triple down on the chaos, dysfunction, and extremism, or let's have a real conversation about changing the rules of the House so it can work in the best interest of the American people. What are your... So you have MAGA Republican Nancy Mace dressed up in a scarlet letter A accusing Kevin McCarthy and other Republicans of dehumanizing her. You have George Santos running around the House chambers like just like screaming like a mad person. You have Harriet Hageman, who took Liz Cheney's seat, MAGA Republican, walking around with a lasso. You've got that MAGA Republican mask, whatever the guy's name is from Florida, who, by the way, served with distinction in the United States military, which is something he should be applauded for, but was like wearing an Israeli army military outfit and acting like he was in the Israeli military when he wasn't for a day and walking around like playing dress up. And like, so you have all of that going on and, 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 and all the chaos. And then you have Democratic leader Akeem Jeffries right there just saying, we want to work together, figure out a best way to do the business for the American people. And you have MAGA Republicans saying, I'd rather work with the Scarlet Letter A, Lasso Lady, George Santos party than work with someone who's like, hey, let's make a deal. Let's figure out a way to do this. I'm sure we can reach compromise and consensus. And, and, And here's the thing, though. 
where I'm confident, supremely confident, is that where most Americans are, are not lassos and wearing scarlet letters running around and George Santos, right? I'm confident that most, the majority, the true silent majority of Americans, we crave just normalcy and we crave intelligence and compassion. So how is it that you empower extremists? Well, you have to divide us. You have to start turning American against American. You have to start creating divisions. You have to start talking about all of these culture war issues and, and, and making Americans hate Americans. And that's what Fox and Republicans spend their time doing every day, just demonizing Americans so that we can't work together and trying to create these divisions. And then they prey on the fact that legacy media is just going to buy their narratives because whatever, whatever. But I, I, I think they fundamentally misunderstand, as does legacy media, where America has moved to right now. And I think there's a reason why President Biden's fundraising is through the roof right now. I think there's a reason why I think he will continue to build and get more and more support as people look to an elder statesman who just tells it like it is and who's honest and compassionate and precise and handles business. We'll talk about that and more. We're going to take our last quick break. I want to remind everybody Check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We're going to have a great after show for you today, and we're soon going to be posting when our next meetup is where you get to meet me, Brett, and Jordy, and ask questions. So make sure you sign up on Patreon now so you can get that invite to our next meetup. We'll be right back after this quick break. Being on top of your mental health game is so important. And as you know, we here at the Midas Touch Network are working around the clock. And it's easy to fall into bad habits or routines because, well, life gets in the way, especially with your diet. Frankly, I think most people can relate. Everyday life does get in the way, making it challenging to find a healthy snack without all the sugar and junk. Now, if you're busy and constantly on the go like me, you need to try Mosh. It's a protein bar made for your brain. With six delicious flavors, each Mosh bar includes 12 grams of protein and is made with ingredients that support brain health like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. At 160 calories and only one gram of sugar, Mosh protein bars are the guilt-free snack your brain and body will crave. Your brain is your number one tool, which is why Mosh protein bars were mindfully formulated by some of the top neuroscientists and functional nutritionists. Mosh now has a new line of plant-powered protein bars in three delicious flavors for those who want all of the protein and brain support of the original bar, now made with plant-based ingredients. I have a Mosh bar literally every day to kick off my morning, and it has totally improved my performance. I love the taste, especially of the peanut butter Mosh bar, delicious. Not to mention the packaging, it makes it super easy to take them with me if I ever find myself hungry between meetings. Don't settle for a mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. 
So whether you're at the gym, on the go, or living your best life, Mosh Protein Bars will keep your brain fit-fueled and feeling good. Head to moshlife.com slash Midas to save 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack, which includes all six mouth-watering flavors. M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash Midas. Those Mosh Bars are really, really good. Thank Delicious. you. Thank you to all our pro-democracy sponsors. We are grateful for all of you. Some great products as well. In the descriptions below, you can support them. All very great products. We carefully curate those sponsors and one of the ways you can help this show. Thank you to everybody who's bought the emojis and gifted emojis. You can gift unlimited emojis. And I know sometimes when you gift an emoji after the month, like the gift expires to some people. So you may need so you re-gift emojis to people. And I think there's unlimited gifts of emojis. I've seen a lot of dark branded emojis today, Ben. A lot, lots of dark branded emojis flowing through the chat. Throw some in the chat right now. And then, and then, um, I think we're on our way to about 6,000 patrons, which, uh, you know, so I feel like by 2024, our Patreon is going to have like, I hope like the circulation of like major uh, newspapers. Like, yeah, I think it'd be we'll great growing it that way. So we'll, we'll we'll keep growing it, and you know, it's an as I've always said, it's an interesting business model, um, and perhaps <laughs> a unique one. But but it allows us to do great things like MidasTouch.com. Oh, it's helped to build MidasTouch.com for sure, and MidasTouch.com, run by Ron Filipkowski and the crew there, is just they're crushing it. I'm so crushing. honored. To have that team work there. All right, Brett. Speaking of crushing it, President Biden fundraising. And then before that, there's some breaking news as well that President Biden is actually going to take a visit to Israel. What, what are we learning about that? Yeah, we're learning that President Biden is expected to travel to Israel on this Wednesday. It was just confirmed, actually, by Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Uh, Blinken was just meeting. He had a seven and a half hour meeting with top Israeli leaders in Jerusalem. And then he made the announcement that President Biden was going to be traveling to Israel this Wednesday. So more to come on that. I'm sure it's going to be a very important visit, obviously, and a very historic visit uh, to see him. There and showing solidarity, and I think Biden's comments uh, in the past few days have been pitch perfect. I thought his interview on 60 Minutes uh, was really, really, really good the other night. Um, also, we need to talk about these Biden fundraising numbers, which I really don't think is getting enough attention because it's really painting a it's painting a picture. It's telling a story about something that the press just continues to miss continues to not pick up on. And I'll throw up well, this graph. Intentionally. Yeah, yeah, like just like blatantly ignoring it. But President Biden raised in the third quarter $71.2 million for his reelection campaign. That's $26 million more than Donald Trump. And get this, it's nearly the same as Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and Nikki Haley combined just to show you how impressive that haul was. And one of the best things about this for Biden, too, is he's not spending all of the money on lawyers for criminal cases because <laughs> he does not have 91 criminal accounts against him like Donald Trump. So you have Biden now with a war chest, essentially, ready to go after Donald Trump or whoever the Republican nominee ultimately is, able to actually spend this money directly on getting the word out, on campaigning, 
on canvassing, on ads, on billboards, you name it. The Biden campaign mentioned that this was a historic high for Democratic presidential candidates at this point in the cycle and added 240,000 new donors since April, since April, who did not contribute to the Biden campaign at all in 2020. And they have 112,000 recurring donors each month. So the Biden campaign is in really good shape. Something else that I really want to talk about, and I'm sure a lot of our followers here, a lot of our viewers have noticed, is the Biden campaign is out with this new social media account. Have you guys seen this Biden HQ account? I know they're on threads and I know that they're on X. And they are doing unbelievable work. Some of the best rapid response videos that I have seen covering every event from every angle, really using digital media and the internet in a way that I haven't seen campaigns do in the past. Like the Republicans have had accounts like this in the past that were decent in what they do. But this account is actually so much better than any of those. And it's like, finally, the Democrats have a messaging arm that they're able to get out these messages with. And the move that they did today, I think, is hilarious. I think it's brilliant. The Biden campaign started this account, the Biden-Harris HQ account, on Truth Social. They brought (laughs) Truth Social. So here's the account right here. Malarkey ends here. You see the Biden-Harris HQ account right there on Donald Trump's home turf. And you see their first tweet, which says, or their first post on the platform that says, well, let's see how this goes. Converts, welcome. And then all day, they're just posting videos, at least the ones today, where other Republicans basically talking badly about Donald Trump's policies. Here you have Ron DeSantis uh, talking about Donald Trump adding $7.8 trillion to the debt, setting the stage for the inflation we have now. You have Nikki Haley here calling Trump, suggesting that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, be executed, saying that it's irresponsible. And just all day long, they're hitting Donald Trump's social media account with messages in support of Biden and against Trump. And it is absolutely a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant strategy. The Biden campaign told Fox News Digital, there's very little truth happening on Truth Social, but at least this will be a little fun. And I'll <laughs> just watch how this experiment works out. What They've done so is- well in their first 24 hours of just, of just launching and, and just being present and especially there that it's going to be hard for Trump to get rid of that account now on the platform. You know someone's paying hell over there because that account's existed. <laughs> you know, he wants to block it so, bad. so badly. But now <laughs> the, there's too much visibility on this account where it's just going to have to stay. You know, we, I was joking before. I said, I'm partially telling the truth, but about our business model. I'm like, it's not the greatest business, <laughs> the greatest business model in the world. So, so, so Trump's truth social, just to give you the metrics of it, about 6 million views a month or 7 million views a month. Just to put that in perspective, in the first month launching MidasTouch.com, more people went to MidasTouch.com than have visited Truth Social in, in a month. To give you another perspective, far more people watch Midas Touch YouTube on a day then watch Truth Social or go on Truth Social in an entire month. Oh, yeah. It's not, even close. You, not even close. Not even close. Not even yeah. not even a close number. Like 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 it's a massive, massively more people watch Midas Touch than go on Truth Social. Yet Donald Trump 
try is trying to do this SPAC transaction, special purpose acquisition company, where they're supposed to pay three hundred million dollars, <laughs> right? If the transaction closes, but not only that. Trump and the SPAC then tried to arrange something called a pipe, which just blew up in their faces, which is a private investment in public equity. It's called a pipe, P-I-P-E, for about a billion dollars, which is like private funding on preferential terms in a SPAC, right? How does, doesn't that sound kind of like scammy in and of, in and of itself? And the pipe investors pulled out their billion dollars basically or 700 million dollars so like there's no longer going to be the pipe and then in the perfect kind of dystopian trumpian way devin nunez the old maga republican who now is in charge of the truth social is like this is great news for us they announced it as it was like a home run victory um but just think about it in trump's financials for running for office he lists the valuation of Truth Social between five and twenty-five million dollars. Right? Just think about that when the target company for the SPAC, which is this blank check company that's tasked with acquiring a company, its mandate is to acquire a company that's between five hundred million on the low end to $2 billion on the high end. It's in search of a billion-dollar company. And so they're trying to manufacture this merger of a company that's 6 million views a month that's like making no money and that the pipe just blew up in their face. Like Everything he touches is deeply, deeply flawed and problematic. And it's like, okay, if you're so smart, right? Like if you're such a smart business person, right? You're out of office. It's kind of a, most presidents make money when they leave office, right? It's a, And so your venture was that you wanted to create this spec, right? And it wasn't like the SEC on its own was like, we need to stop this spec, right? Like what happened? The people who founded Truth Social with Donald Trump became whistleblowers against the company and said, look at all the fraud that we're engaged in. They then had to take a loan from some island called Dominica, which is connected to Russia, that gave like a $6 million loan to keep Truth Social afloat that was engineered by the person who created the SPAC, this guy named Patrick Orlando, who then did not disclose that to the shareholders. And then they had to, the SPAC basically admitted fault and has agreed to pay a 15 or $25 million fine to the SEC for the fraud that they committed in their S1 financial statements as well for failing to make appropriate disclosures. And this is just like one thing that he touched. <laughs> like, like, think about that. This should have been a this should have been a gimme. It just goes to show you. But speaking of that, I, I just want to I want to leave you with this though. Let me show you this clip though, because as I showed you, um, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, you know, and I showed you just and you saw the clip of Biden, right? 
compare that to what Donald Trump was saying at the beginning. But like, this is what's happening in Republican world right now. Let, let me show you this. This is George Santos from Friday in the chambers of Congress. Just, just, just watch this. That's what it is. And the next time he tries to accost me with a child in my hand, I want him out. Mr. Santos, who? Okay. Why did, why did he have a baby in a sand? <laughs> I was like a baby. I told you guys last time, like every time he's on camera, he's like running away and he's like, just, just really <laughs> so like out of breath. But, it, but it, like, it, it's become him. Like that is him. I just think of somebody running away from cameras. I just think of George Santos. Got to get your steps in, aren't you? And, and, and then we've got that. And then we talk about their incentive structure. This was just moments ago as we were live. Um, this is what went down on the Hannity show. Here's what Hannity said about his pressure campaign to try to get moderates to side with Jim Jordan. Play this clip. First, uh, transparent vote, because when they're in conference, they get to vote anonymously, because this is an important vote. vote. And why is it a shock to certain lawmakers and members of the media mob, all of you out there, that yours truly, a member of the press, is daring to ask elected representatives, the so-called public servants in this country, if and when they plan to wrap up this speaker battle and reopen the People's House amid growing chaos, both at home and abroad. I have a lot more to say on this later. But I do have to chuckle that a few of my questions, simple questions that I asked to some Republicans over the weekend about the importance of getting a speaker as soon as possible showed we have a few sensitive little snowflakes in Congress. Here's the truth. They are the majority. They need to act like it. No deals with the Democrats. And that would mean, uh, yeah, no, no temporary solutions either. Elect a speaker Get the house open and start doing your job. The good news is the anonymous votes end tomorrow and we will know and we will see which Republicans understand what is the importance of this moment in history, not only for the Republican Party, for them to unite, them to lead by reopening the people's house while we have war in the Middle East and war in Europe and open borders and serious budget. So you see him there again, doubling down on the extortive conduct. We will see who are the snowflakes, the name calling. And then did you notice what he did in, in there? He kind of uh, just put it in the middle of a lot of the words that he was saying. And he goes, no deals with Democrats. How are you supposed to be a news host and say such a thing? Like, 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 how do you go on there and say that you are doing any news when you are there with an agenda that says no deals with Democrats, you are snowflakes, and we're going to see which group of Republicans actually does X, Y, and Z. And I, and that to me is a perfect area of trying to contrast the kind of vitriol and name calling and everything that's going on from this MAGA Republican chaos and the type of discourse that we have in the pro-democracy community. I, I don't ever say no deal with no deal, never. It, the, the, the language is like, hey, can we, you know, th those issues that he ticks off at the end, you know, where he talks about the border, where he talks about war, where he talks about certain things. The language from us is how can we be productive and address those in intelligent ways? 
How do we confront them and come up with solutions through compromise that actually benefit the American people? Like being very solution oriented, following science, data, evidence to try to reach the best conclusions for the American people. That's what we talk about here. What they talk about there is you are snowflakes, no deals with the Democrats. And we will see on Tuesday when it's all in the light, who's going to, who's going to do that. that that's, that is not the vision of hope and love. And what a great nation we are and can be that we showed you in that clip by President Biden. Brett and Jordan, I know you're seeing that clip for the first time because it literally just broke. What What do you think about that? Well, I think obviously Hannity has learned nothing from getting involved with uh, January 6th and all the work <laughs> that he did behind the scenes of January 6th. I mean, the thing that I think everyone needs to realize, and I think all the viewers of this show realize, but far too many people don't realize is that Fox is a crisis PR firm for the Republican Party. They're basically a political action committee for the Republican Party. And they basically admit it at this point too. But they they pretend to be news though, right? They'll throw in certain shows to try to to to, to try to just like get the scent off them, right? And they also the same way that we spoke about Donald Trump and these Republicans using the iconography and the phrases that come along with the United States of America, Fox does that with news, right? They have their morning show. They have their business channel. They have things out there that look as if they are the real thing while delivering straight propaganda and straight BS to the public. And it is so dangerous and we should always be seeking to try to find common ground with people who actually want to help get things done. We shouldn't seek to find common ground with insurrectionists. We shouldn't <laughs> seek to find common ground with people who want to see people we love dead. Mm-hmm. But we should all be seeking to actually try to find common ground to actually get things done for the American people. And unfortunately, Fox and the Republican Party just wants to see more destruction more chaos. And that is what they are inflicting on the American people every day. But that's why the Midas Mighty is so important. And that's why that I think this show and everything that we do together here, and I'm talking about you, the audience, is so important in spreading these messages and getting the word out. So I want to say a huge thank you to all of you. Um, I think we're, we're about to basically now head into a year that's going to be the most important year of our lifetimes. And you have the power to actually make a huge difference. We've had during this show between 13 and 15,000 people watching the show live. These shows end up getting 300 to 500,000 views, sometimes millions of views. And so imagine if each of you watching this, each of you, and I'm not even including the audio listeners, I'm not even including how other people consume this content. So imagine everybody who hears this tells one friend to make sure to register to vote. Make sure you check your voter registration. Make sure that you are just staying active and spreading these messages. The impact that you have will be absolutely exponential, and it is enough to be the difference maker and the change maker as we head into 2024. Thank you all, Midas Mighty. We appreciate your support. Now is the time, if you can, get those emojis before it's... uh, 
while we're still alive. Um, hit that dollar sign below. Separately, go check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Go check that out now. I can't wait to hear the backstory there, Ben, with Killing County. That's going to be... How did Killing County come about? By the way, if you have Hulu, you can uh, check it out. Will we be doing another Killing County? I'll talk Ooh, about Ooh, I need to hear about that. Okay. And I want to let everybody know, too, because some... So, some folks are lo- lo- often look for a live stream on our Patreon after this. We tape it. So we, re- we record the show right when this ends. We record the after show and then we post it right when we're done recording it. So expect about, you know, 30 to 45 minutes or so after the show for the after show to appear. It appears on the main feed on patreon.com slash Midas Touch. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. That's where you'll be able to see it. There's a really cool chat feature now. Also, I've yes. been chatting with the uh, with, with everybody on our Patreon, and it's super cool. People sharing stories, people sharing videos, people telling jokes. It's it's a really cool, vibrant community, and we hope to see you there. And, and if you can't, for whatever reason, please don't feel pressure at all. We love your support. Just please make sure that you're subscribed to this channel. That is 100% free and tell a friend and help us grow this movement. Yeah. The best way you can help out is make sure you're registered to vote and make sure you tell others who are going to vote for our democracy to get registered to vote as well and share the videos. The best day to do all of that was yesterday. The next best day to do that is today, right now. We still have a lot of time. So so if you can do that, that would be great. Subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Subscribe on audio. Audio listeners, subscribe to the YouTube. If you can, get those emojis, become members of the YouTube separately, become members of patreon.com slash Midas Touch. While you wait for the after show, there's a whole archive there, a whole library of other uh, videos that we've made. So like the origin story of Michael Popak and Karen Friedman Agnifilo and Brett and Jordy and myself and original Midas videos from 2020 that we comment on and some of the Zoom chats that we do are posted. We also ask for ideas for merch and you can chip in and pitch your ideas for what our merch should look like in 2023, 2024. So there's so much great features there while you wait for our exclusive after show content. So go there now, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And um, again, from me, Brett and Jordy, just thank you so much for everything you do for our democracy. I'm confident that this community is going to be a difference maker in the 2024 election. Like we're in this together. We're honored to be a part of this pro-democracy community that you created. So thank you. Thank you so much. And, And let's do this together. Know that we're here with you. We know that you're here for us and we support each other in this community with positivity, with compassion with intelligence and being unapologetically pro-democracy. We'll see you next time on the Midas Touch podcast. Again, it's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Go check it out now. Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.